And welcome to another edition of Across the County. I'm Noah. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, on today's show, it is part two with a tremendous nonprofit. I saw this release come across my desk and I had to talk about it because big tech has taken over so many different facets of our lives. It's more than just censorship, believe it or not. And as you found out last week with Josh Malone, spokesperson for U.S. Inventor, tremendous nonprofit, he was an inventor himself. He had his invention stolen. Thank goodness he was able to get it back. But why is big tech so powerful? That's the main question of today's show. So we're taking it up a notch. We're talking with U.S. Inventor President Randy Landrenau. He's going to be revealing why tech giants such as Apple and Amazon and Google and Facebook, Microsoft, there are others, why the tactics and the tricks they're using are completely legal, and that's scary, and they're being used to steal intellectual property from competitors, from the small guy, from the person trying to come up with an amazing invention that's going to change the way we do things, and they're going to be able to live the American dream off of it. So that is the crux of our discussion, and Randy currently serves, as I said, as president of this tremendous inventor's rights advocacy group, U.S. Inventor. Check him out, usinventor.org. He himself is an inventor with three different patents. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. And it's this grassroots effort to restore the rights of inventors in America that is at the heart of the matter. Randy, thanks for taking some time. It's a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, I know back in 2020, this is a good place to start, almost $3 trillion in growth from these big companies that run our lives pretty much. That's the profit that they gained in becoming so to speak, another branch of the government. And they're seeing little competition. They're trying to silence people that maybe disagree with the way that they do things. And I imagine when we get back to the way of intellectual property and inventions, this is no different. We found that out last week with Josh Malone. Why are they trying to just, instead of coming up with their own ideas, which they do do, why are they trying to squash the little guy and you know maybe take something that is unique and novel and claim it as their own. And so they have nobody in their way. What's the what's the deal here? Well, you know, it's interesting. Um, Bill Gates, when he was in 1998, he was interviewed. And that was when Microsoft was at the height of their power. And the interviewer asked Bill Gates, uh, what is it that worries you the most in business? And the interviewer thought he would say something about Oracle software or something like that. Mm-hmm. And what Bill Gates immediately said was, somebody in a garage inventing something I haven't thought of. Wow. And this was one of the most powerful men in the world at the time saying that. And that is the viewpoint of the big corporation. And they, they typically started out as a disruptive startup. Think about Microsoft. Think about Apple. Google, you know, one are very few individuals with some great ideas, with not a lot of money, very sometimes no money, um, and they get something going, and they had a, a good patent system when they started to help them get a leg up on the competition, which is how America is supposed to work. I mean, it, it goes all the way back to the very founding of our country, um, but, but just back to the Bill Gates situation. So so what do you do if, if you are hugely powerful and your big concern is what an inventor with a patent that he or she could defend could do to compete with you. Well, 
Um, apparently, they have spent an awful lot of time on attorneys and lobbyists. And what, what has resulted, I say apparently, um, it, it's not apparently, it's an absolute truth. In Washington, D.C., if you mention the big tech lobby, everyone knows what you're talking about. It, mm-hmm. is, the, it is the basically the, the um, armies of lobbyists who work for big tech who, who basically uh, push legislation that will uh, weaken the patent rights of inventors or that will stop, legis- or, or they try to stop legislation that will uh, strengthen the rights of inventors. And what they all did, and, and you got to realize, this isn't, it isn't brand new that big corporations have wanted to weaken the rights of inventors. Uh, because for, for many, many years, you know, the, the big corporation, you know, once they become big, they stop really innovating. Because if they innovated much after they've become large with all their uh, product lines that are already producing income. They wouldn't have they, to worry about really the small innovate. guy, would they? Yeah, well, here's the thing. If they innovated much then, they, they'd put their own lines out of business, right? So they're it's not true. thinking outside of the box. They're not trying to, to come up with a better product than they already have because it'll put their own products out of business. And so, so they're not the ones who innovate. It's the little guy who's in a garage. He's thinking outside of the box. He comes up with a great idea like, like some of these uh, you know, big corporations when they started did. And, and so, but, but so here's the thing. Big corporations have always for many years tried to weaken our patent system, but they've never had the power that they have now to craft a message, to get it across the airwaves, to get people to think there's a problem. And, and the way that big tech does now with the Internet and with social media. And they were able to put all that together in 2011 and get a bill passed called the America Invents Act, which created this uh, uh, administrative court. Uh, that was a new way to invalidate an existing patent. In other words, you have a patent and, you know, and, and, and think about it this way. It, it's Historically, if you said somebody was infringing your patent, well, they could say, well, I don't think it's a valid patent and they could fight you on that, but it would be done in a real court where you have a jury, you have a real judge, a lifetime appointed judge, and you have a, a lot of due process because it's an important, it's a property right. It was considered that you had a property right that someone was now attacking. Yep. Um, but it was a fair system. And you know what? There were a few patents that got invalidated, but it, but it wasn't a huge percentage. Well, what was created in 2011 with the American Vince Act was an administrative court for these issues. It's called the Patent Trial and Appeal Board, which, which we call the PTAB. The PTAB is an administrative court. There's no jury. Oh, let, let me tell you, if you're in trouble and you're innocent, you want a jury, <laughs> especially if it's you versus the big guy. Um, there's no lifetime appointed judge. Instead, you have a panel of typically three individuals who are basically corporate attorneys. And in some cases, they've worked for the very company that's trying to invalidate your patent. How about that? <laughs> wow. And, and there's very little due process. You don't have the kind of discovery and all the things that happen. The whole idea, the way it was sold to Congress was this will be uh, a more efficient, uh, less expensive, but fair way, uh, fair alternative to district court. And, you know, they, they, you know look, these lobbyists, they, they're smart. They get paid a ton of money and they craft a message that is reasonable. And, but what ended up being created was something that is not fair at all. It's a killing field uh, for patent rights. In fact, this is something that will blow you away when I tell you. The, when, when the PTAB was created, the person who was the head of the patent office, mm-hmm. director of the patent office, who was in charge of hiring the judges for the PTAB, uh, you know, setting the rules and kind of getting the whole thing going, this individual was the former head of patent strategy at Google. Well, that says it all right there. That says it all right there. 
<laughs> and and you might say, well, I think, well, how the heck did that person end up being the head of the patent office? Yeah. Well, well, the thing is, um, that the, the the director of the patent office is a political appointee by the president, typically based on who the big donors want. Well, the big donors are big tech. Yep. And of course, they're on the wrong side of our issue. Um, and you know, uh, of course, you end up with the fox guarding the hen house like crazy, and uh, that's what we had. And, hey, Randy, uh, how many patented technologies have been invalidated because of PTAB? Uh, it's about three thousand now, close to three thousand. And and here's the thing to know too: the um, um, the of the patents that have gone all the way through the PTAB system. Eighty four percent have either been fully or partially invalidated. Wow. And when I and when I say partially, that typically means the parts of the patent that really mattered. You know, the the the, the in, a, in a patent there are a number of claims. Well, some claims may not really matter, but certain claims are extremely important, and those are typically what gets invalidated. And by the way, that eighty-four percent number doesn't include the inventors who just walked away because they couldn't afford the fight, or the ones who settled for pennies on the dollar uh, because again they couldn't afford the fight, and their attorney said you're going to get wiped out. Um, you know, that brings up another whole issue here, too, which is, think about this. So inventors start out typically with no money. So, so if you're an inventor with no money, but you have a patent, how do you fight a, a hugely expensive patent infringement suit? You might wonder, well, how the heck do you do that? Well, the way historically it was done was on contingency. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to pay the attorney a ton of money, but but they share in the winnings when they win. So you have to have a good case. But but I knew a guy 30 years ago who did that, went against a car company and, and won, did pretty well. And the company was guilty as hell. And, you know, it, it, it all worked out because the system was fair. Well, now with the PTAB, so to, to mount a reasonable PTAB defense costs hundreds of thousands of dollars. The, the, uh, the, the uh, Patent Attorney Trade Association says the average is about 400000 um, and there's no winnings from it. So if you actually end up going through it and winning, which, which is not very often, but let's say you win it, well, there, you, all you've done is kept your patent from being invalidated, and they might hit you with a number of PTAB attacks that you have to defend before you can ever get to a real court and, and you probably won't have your patent left, so you'll never get to a real court. It's almost like so, with these patent laws, Randy, and how they're being misused, that the there's this huge stifling of the entrepreneurial spirit where people might not even want to try. They might say, hey, I have this idea. It's going to be great. I know nobody else has it, but you know what's the point? Because once I patent it, they're going to come after me and take it anyway. Absolutely. You're absolutely right. Inventors who know, and a lot of inventors uh, aren't aware of the issue because inventors, they're not, they're not really necessarily uh, politically active and all that. They're in their garages working on things and coming up with things. And they just assume, uh, a lot of inventors just assume if they patent something, you know, they're going to have some rights there that they can defend because it's America and we have a constitution that actually specifically says that. <laughs> um, I don't know, did you know that in, in the Constitution of America, um, the word right it's only used with respect in the directly in the Constitution. It's only used with respect to inventors and uh, writers for like copyright and patents. I did not know that. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. The Bill of Rights came later, and that's how that's how important our founders thought that that innovation was going to be in America. The other thing about this too, and this is such a key thing about America and why America is so different and has been so different than the rest of the world. In the rest of the world, when our country was founded. Um, it was the world was the world was run by aristocrats, and aristocrats did not and do not care about the little guy. Not at all. The little guy doesn't matter a bit. 
Um, and, and our founder said, you know what, why don't we, why don't we say this? Whoever it is, doesn't matter if you're rich. I mean, in other countries, the king might grant you an exclusive right to something. Or if you're rich, in England, if you're rich, you could be an inventor, right? In America, our founder said, hey, let, let's say that whoever you are, whether you have money or not, whether you have status or not, whoever you are, if you invent something that's never been done before and it's useful, you can own it. You can own it and do something big with it, and it'll be good for America, and it'll be good for the world. And they realized that that common people had a, had a huge creative ability, and this would give an incentive to do this. And it, it worked unbelievably well. And aristocrats who scoffed at it when they came up with it, you know, when they saw what America was doing, oh, look what America's doing. They're going to... They don't know what they're doing, you know, uh, these ruffians, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and, and at a, a World's Fair or two later, they were like shocked and saying, oh, my God, we better change. We better come up with some patent systems for ourselves before we get totally left in the dirt. Yeah. And, and of, of course, the rest of the world never quite got to what we had. But now we have totally shot ourselves in the foot by allowing these huge multinational corporations who don't really, you know, you think about a small business. A small business is great for America. It's local talent. It's local resources. It's it's super. I would but say it's the backbone of the country. Ah, absolutely, absolutely. But when they become huge, now they're now they're doing things like trying to get H uh, one B visas to get cheap labor from India and stuff like that. Yep. Right? Yep. Exactly. Um, it's a it's a whole different world. But but so so I guess I kind of got off track with, with my thought process there. But the bottom line is. Um, it is the, the incentive to invent that, that, and in fact, the Patent Act of 1790 was where it began. We're talking about when George Washington was president. To tell you, tell you something else that'll, that'll shock probably some of your listeners. Um, you know, back in 1790, inventor, I mean, uh, women didn't have a lot of rights, right? Right. They didn't. Uh, in the whole world, I guess they didn't. Well, the Patent Act of 1790 uh, described inventors as he, she, or they meaning that women had all the rights of men when it came to intellectual property. Wow, that blows my mind. I did not know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is such a key part of our country. And, it, and you know, you look at, you look at well, what, what has made, you know, let's face it, America is way more successful than the rest of the world. Our economy is way better. And not, even though people try to claim, well, this country or that country, the bottom line is we're far ahead of, of our competitors. Mm-hmm. And a big part of that has been all the innovation that has started here that was that was uh, incentivized by this fabulous patent system we had and and i i gotta tell you if, if we didn't if we had not had this patent system that our founders started so beautifully for us for this country um the term the american dream might not have ever even been coined oh i agree because yeah because that's a key part of that whole concept and uh we we must restore it that's what my group usinventor.org we are fighting uh every day to restore the rights of inventors. And it's a David versus Goliath fight. It's us versus big tech. They've got all the lobbyists and all the money, but we've got, we've got the moral high ground. We have history on our side and people, people care about this. When they realize what's happened to inventors, they realize that, that this is very bad. And the biggest thing we need is for people across the country, not just inventors, but just Americans, small business owners, people who care about America, who just realize that, that we've, we've gone the wrong direction. We need to get back to what matters for this country and what's important for the country. We need people to, to go to our website, usinventor.org, and sign our inventor rights resolution. Um, if you look at it, you'll see it, it, it's not, there's nothing there that you, can, that you would disagree with. And if you're not an inventor, just uncheck the part about having a patent. 
but the bottom line is when we go to Congress and we say, hey, we want you to to look at this legislation that will restore the rights of inventors, if we can show them that they have a, a lot of constituents who care about this, that really matters. And uh, so I want to encourage your, your, your listeners to go to usinventor.org and sign the inventor rights resolution. You can, this is something you can do that will help, help us not only restore the rights of inventors, but provide competition for big tech so that they don't just take over everything. And competition is very healthy, and that's one way that we can try and make sure that they don't just completely eliminate the small guy. You can do that. You can also go online to usinventor.org. Make sure that you sign the resolution. I think it's something that everybody should do. Again, as we were just being told by Randy, even if you're not an inventor, just uncheck that box because it does do so much good. What are some other ways, real quickly, we're running out of time, and there's so much to get to we'll have to have you on again i know but, i know i could talk forever <laughs> well it's an important issue and there's so much to this more so than i even thought but what else can I mean, we I mean, you, 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 you don't want to sit next to me on a plane you know <laughs> <laughs> but what else can we do to rein in big tech randy and make sure that their abuses of america inventors stop and becomes a lot less commonplace I mean, obviously, one of the things you could do is, is not buy their products, but that's gotten pretty hard these days, you know. Um, I, I've decided, uh, you know, with Amazon, I mean, Amazon is so easy to use. Um, I, try to, I try to find if I can buy it directly or some, in some, with some other method so I don't have to use Amazon. I guess one of the things I really want to get across to your listeners, because you think about, okay, high tech, big tech, you know, big tech and yep. high tech high products that would compete with them. Mm-hmm. Certainly there are a bunch of those that have been invalidated and certainly big tech, uh, they don't want to have competition. They want to be able to, to absorb whatever someone else has out there. Yep. Uh, but think about inventors like Josh Malone, who invented a bunch of balloons, yep. the, the top selling toy that allows you to fill a hundred water balloons a minute, right? Um, went totally viral. Well, does big tech care about water balloons? Well, no, but you know what? A company that does want to, that did want to sell that product, uh, you know, and, and, and without Josh's permission, they just jumped on it and infringed. And they even bought one of his in his Kickstarter campaign and used it in their first commercial. <laughs> yeah, we, we heard the story last week. It was just horrendous what Josh had to go through. Yeah. So basically what big tech has done has weakened the patent system. So any larger player can destroy whatever inventor has come up with something that they want to take. You have an example, a bunch of balloons. Another example, um, uh, a guy named Mark Kilborn came up with, uh, some of your listeners might have a remote control uh, deadbolt. You can operate it from your smartphone. Um, this guy invented this, and, and he, he was a, a locksmith, uh, interesting guy. Um, you know, Apple, actually, he was going to put it on, their st- on, the, on the Apple store. They said, hey, we want to take a look at it. You know, they don't normally ask to see your product. And he said, what the heck? Why not just show it to them? He sent it to them. Before long, they have their own version of it. And they destroyed him in court, again, using this broken system with the PTAP. Um, another guy invented a type of um, recording device that, um, and I'm not sure all the ins and outs of it, but basically it, it took what, what used to have to require a whole backpack full of, backpack full of, full of equipment, turn it into a little device you hold on, you just put on your ear, mm-hmm. and he even got an Emmy for it. His industry, the recording industry, got, gave him an Emmy. And of course, again, here, here Apple, uh, destroyed him in court to, you know, use the PTAB to invalidate what he had. Because what they're doing is in, in a real court with a jury, you have a fair look at it. Also, there's some deference to the patent office as, you know, these the patent examiners are extremely intelligent. They do a great job. They have tons of experience. Whereas the PTAB judges, they might have a degree in science, but their experience is in law. 
So now they're looking at, well, how, how, how could the terms be, you know, changed? And they, they just, it's, it's like a legal effort to find out how they could invalidate this patent. And they do it 84% of the time. It's horrendous. Is there any way when we're pushing back and using the inventor's rights resolution, I know that's a big deal, but is there any part of the process to where we can get this back to where it used to be and to maybe not have so much power within the PTAB? Because it sounds like it's, yeah. it's, it's not a win for anybody. Oh, no. Well, it's a win for the big companies that want to steal technology. <laughs> That's for sure. That's about it. Um, yeah. Actually, the win is we get our bill passed. We have a bill uh, that we're supporting. We're going to be having it reintroduced uh, this year. It's called the Inventor Rights Act. And what the Inventor Rights Act does is if you're an inventor and it's your invention and you control the patent, um, you know, you're not some big corporation that has acquired the patent from somebody or, or whatever. You're, you're an inventor and it's your product, your patent. You should not be able to be forced into a PTAB court. You should be able to opt for a real court. And if they fix the PTAB and actually do make it fair, well, we'll choose it. But if they don't make it fair, we want real uh, due process. Another thing is um, you should be able to sue where you where you live, where you have your, your business and where you developed it. There's, sure. uh, there was a bad, bad Supreme Court decision that you have to sue where the – where the infringer, sometimes where they're headquartered or, or where they have a, a business, which might end up causing you to have to go hundreds, if not thousands of miles to even even sue them, which is, and it's, you know, for the little guy, that's, that's virtually impossible. Um, if, if you win your case, you should be able to stop the infringer. That's another terrible Supreme Court decision where they decided that it was in the, where do you hear this? They decided it was in the public interest for the infringer that had lost the case to continue producing the invention because they could serve the market better than a startup. And since that decision, every case that's won by an inventor, you now have to pass a public interest test. And if you're a small startup versus a big operation, you can't pass it. So they don't, you don't get to stop them. You just end up with a court-ordered royalty that you don't even get to negotiate. Wow. But here's the thing. If they've already got the market and they're already huge, like someone like Google, how are you going to compete with them? You're not, in the old days, you're not. Yeah. And so that's why we don't have the next great American startup happening now, because they can just take it. And if somehow you do beat them in court, they, they, you can't take it away from them. They still have it. So you, you can't have a, 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 a disruptive startup like we used to have. So very important to everybody. Sign the resolution, because that is what we will use to help us get the Inventor Rights Act passed. And if you really want to help, call up your senators and your U.S. representatives and tell them, hey, you should be supporting the Inventor Rights Act. This is important for America. That might be one of the best things that you can do. No matter where you live, yeah. let them know that this is probably one of the most important things that we're dealing with as a nation, and you need to support this. Absolutely. And you know what? It's just a phone call. And I will tell you this. Phone calls are way more important than emails to these offices in Congress. And by, and by the way, you have the local office, too, where where uh, they have the local office and they have their office in, in uh, Washington, D.C. And often, you know, you're not going to get to the, the actual representative or senator. You'll get a, a staff member or you might even just get voicemail. But if you get voicemail, you leave that message, kind of have it have it prepared ahead of time. Leave the message and they take these messages, messages down and they they track them. And if they get a few calls in a day, it makes a big difference. It does. Just a few calls. Well, yeah. Randy Landrenau is our guest. You need to sign the resolution. That is one of the biggest steps you can take so that the Inventors' Rights Act can get passed. But now I'd like to end uh, right now with talking about you know, the three inventions you came up with, Randy. What were those and how did they uh, affect the nation? What benefit did they have for us as a people? <laughs> 
Well, you know, I, I haven't yet done something uh, really uh, big that's been that that successful. Um, but I have some, some thoughts. I've kind of, I've kind of been sidetracked with all this uh, this effort. To, oh, sure. Laws change that, that's taken up all my time now. Uh, but one of the inventions that one of my first was a, a type of br- a brush for pets for cats and dogs. It gets out more loose hair. And uh, I, I invented it because at the time I was married and I had this cat and, and had, he had terrible hair. It knotted and it looked awful and yeah. he complained about it all the time. So I, I came up with a solution, made a prototype and it worked beautifully. <laughs> nice. Um, and I, and I actually kind of got sidetracked with what we're doing now and I never quite got it on the market, but, but maybe one day. Um, but you know, I, I, I really have, um, th- there's some things I'm, I'm thinking about and I, I need to work on that are more in the area of like energy, uh, uh, generation and stuff like that, which cool. could be really important. Um, but you know, with inventors, a lot of inventors out there, you know, they're, you, you never know what they, you know, I mean, there are people, look, there are inventions that aren't that valuable. They might be really cool and interesting, but maybe there's no market for them. Sure. But every now and then someone comes up with something that either it's, it's a toy like, like Josh came up with that's hugely of interest. I mean, you, you can't, it's amazing how much that has sold, how, how many people have. And that, had so and that's fun. something that somebody's going to use nationwide. Oh, yeah. And, and it's just a matter of fun. Look, fun is important. You know, having fun is important. So I, I definitely am all in on toys. But the other thing is, you never know when someone's going to come up with something really important to things like energy production. Look, we certainly need to improve um, the ways that we, we create uh, electricity and make them uh, you know, look with wind and solar. Our wind and solar need to be better than they are now to really compete head to head with uh, fossil fuels. And it's inventors who are who are. Um, unchained, right? Who, who are allowed to really operate and I am, operate. I am so glad you said that. Position. I'm so glad you said that, not to interrupt you, but because, you know, yeah. that's that's the big push with what they want to do right now. They want to completely eliminate fossil fuel. They want to, you know, rely on the wind, rely on the solar, which is, you, you know, I have my own ideas about that, but you really need to take it up a notch because I've heard a lot of the downsides about where that uh, technology is at right now, and you need to improve it yeah. drastically if that's going to be yeah. where you want it to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so you can't, you can't like force it. You can't just get rid of no. uh, fossil fuels no. because they're, look, we, we have to have fossil fuels. And, but, but the way, what, what happens over time is individuals who are real problem solvers, who, who know things that you and I don't know, uh, they come up with ideas that no one's thought of. And before long, you know, you could have a head to head competition with these, with these uh, green energies, which would be great. That, that'd be a great thing to have. Competition is uh, always healthy. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, a competition is the key to um, the key to everything. It really is. You know, the, the reason the patent system was created was to advance science. And, and I think they have a, there's another term, advanced science and the useful art, because the idea is, you get a patent on something, other people then see your patent because it's public information and they can actually work on, they can advance things further based on the information that you've provided. So it's all, it's all good for humanity. Um, and that's, that's, and the problem with what, with, with what we have now is if you can't protect what you patented, then you're better off keeping it as a trade secret if you can, which means nobody knows about it. Sure. Well, that doesn't help advance. That doesn't help advance society. So that's why, and so we really need to restore the rights of inventors, and it'll be, it'll be something that will be, it, it's so needed for America, um, especially now when it, it's hard to compete in the world for America. We can't, we can't compete on things like the cost of labor. 
but we can compete with innovation. That's what we've done in the past, and that's what we need to get back to. Is there a last question, Randy? And I so appreciate your time. Is there a date that you'd like to have people uh, sign the inventor's rights resolution by so that we can move this forward? Oh, gosh. Honestly, if everybody could just decide, let's, I'm just going to go to the website and I'm going to sign that thing. Um, if you could do it uh, like over the next, before this time next week, that'd be fabulous. And you would really help this important cause and you'd help America and you'd help, help um, restore this concept that has been so important, but also help stop the, the growing monopolies that, that are based on not having strong patent rights. USinventor.org, USinventor.org, a tremendous nonprofit. It's US Inventor. But Randy Landrenau, the president over there, has been tremendous with his time. And I'd like to have you back on, Randy. As this moves forward, we could follow the story, find out how much headway is going, because this affects, I think, everybody in the nation. We have to fight back against big tech. We have to make sure that everybody's voice as an individual, as an inventor, is heard so that we can keep America great. I mean, that's what it's all about. Exactly. Well, thank you so much. And I, I, I hope your listeners got a lot out of this. And I, I really enjoyed talking. You know, it's a pleasure. Noah here and across the county, usinventor.org, usinventor.org, sign the inventor's rights resolution. And we'll be talking with Randy Landrenau next time on the show.